This is the Star Coach Show with Meg Rentschler, episode 239. I had to really shift more into a kind of a entrepreneurial triage mode, but it was even beyond that. It was more of a personal thing. The, the first thing that I asked almost everybody was, if this thing lasts till the end of next year, the end of 2021, how are you going to be? You and your family, right? How are you going to be impacted? Can you make it, right? Mm-hmm. Some people are like, yeah, if I live like Gandhi, I can make it. Or, you know, yeah, it's going to be really tough. So that was number one, mm-hmm. was making sure, because you can't make any kind of clear-headed decisions, in my opinion, if you're worried about where your next meal is coming from. Welcome to Star Coaches, the show for professional coaches that brings you coaching strategies, tools, and resources. Whatever your focus or niche, Take a front seat weekly as industry leaders, decision makers, and innovators share their wisdom and expertise on the ins and outs of successful coaching. Now join your host, Meg Rinchler, as she connects you with your star coaching potential. Hello, star coaches. Welcome to the show. I'm your host, Meg Rinchler, executive and mentor coach. I'm delighted that you're with us today. And just this week was once again reminded about the importance for me of doing this show, of connecting you with strategies, tools, resources that will help you achieve the goals that you're setting for yourself, whether you are an internal coach, whether you're an external coach, whether you're just thinking about what coaching can do in the world, what the heck coaching is, being able to have a platform here where we can connect with different resources, think about the strategies that we want to employ in creating a difference in the world. It's just so important overall. I was in a discussion with a new coach this week And she said, I just want to connect with some experienced coaches and learn about their best practices moving forward. So I was able to share some specific shows with her where that is exactly what the guests did. They brought forward their experience of their journey, what they did to become successful, what roadblocks they've hit. I mean, we have all of those different things in the archives of the 200 plus shows that we've done so far. So if you're new to us, I welcome you and I encourage you to visit starcoachshow.com and see the plethora of resources that we have there in the three pillars of shows. We have shows around skill building, shows around building your business, and of coaching and organizations and leadership principles. So whatever you're looking for, please do a search. If you want to know about, you know, how to get referrals, then, you know, search for referrals. And I promise you the shows that we've done regarding that are going to pop right up for you. And I just invite you to truly dive into all of the resources that have been brought forward over these last several years that I've done the show. And this show this week is no exception to that rule. Today, we're going to dive into entrepreneurial coaching. What does it mean to partner with entrepreneurs to help them meet their goals? And how 
we can impact the world in the coaching that we do. So my guest this week is Henry Doss. Henry started his first business in 1991, selling, installing, servicing, and financing computers to large corporations. Over time, his business has morphed and morphed again. He's gone to coach training, and he currently refers to himself as a coach approach strategic advisor. Over the last year, when uh, COVID hit so hard, Henry offered his services for free in the community to help entrepreneurs. That's just one example of how when we have the skill set, when we have the capability that we have, we can make choices about how we're going to bring it into the community. Luckily, he was in a place of being able to do that and continue to support his family. But it's just so rich. And we talk about what that experience brought to him in this interview. We're going to talk about what it means to be an entrepreneurial coach, what it means to choose sort of your own path forward in coaching, what things resonate with you, what things don't, and and just fully experience Henry's journey into the work that he does. Since 1991, Henry has founded a succession of different firms in e-commerce, in finance, in real estate, in consumer products, and has self-published a book on everything you need to know about how to grow and manage your money. So he he sort of operates in that place of coaching business owners and founders to be successful, but also he has this experience in the financial market and how to be successful in managing finances. So we're going to look at all of those things in our interview today. And I welcome you to my interview with Henry Doss. Henry Doss, welcome to the Star Coach Show. I'm so delighted to spend time with you this afternoon. Thanks, Meg. It's uh, nice to be here. Nice to be anywhere, actually, but here especially. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll take it. We'll take whatever we can get. Take what here. you can get. Exactly. So we are going to, one of the things I love to do on the show is to explore different avenues of coaching, different, you know, we're, we're all looking at what is the population that makes the most sense for me, the, the, the kind of work that I want to do as a coach. Certainly coaching allows many different avenues down many different roads. And you have landed in a particular spot that we're going to address today and and just talk about all the fun ins and outs of that. I'd love to start first with a little bit about the journey you've walked to get you to the place you're at now. All right. It's good a place to start as any. So I'm a serial entrepreneur. I started, I graduated college in 1981. So I'm dating myself. You know, this will, this will be my 40 year anniversary. I don't know if they're going to have one with COVID, but who knows? 
Maybe it will be a big Zoom thing. I don't know. And then uh, I only had two jobs in my life. I worked for a big uh, Fortune 500 company for about four years. And then I worked for the new, uh, subsidiary of the New York Stock Exchange for probably another eight after that. And then I started my first business 10 years later, 1991. And pretty much haven't looked back. Had a series of different businesses, some good, some bad. One I describe as an ignominious failure. And then about 10 years ago, I said, I turned 50 and I said, let's think about what you want to do for the second half of your life. You know, what's the, what's the next act, right? Assuming you, assuming there are second acts, <laughs> unlike what Fitzgerald said, uh, what's it going to be? What's it going to look right. like? And so I sat down and I said, uh, you know, I'd, I'd always kind of been informally coaching people in business. I've got three boys. I must have coached 40 teams in football, basketball, baseball, soccer, and lacrosse. The coaching was just kind of second nature. Uh, how do I apply it to business was really the big question that I had to figure out. And so um, I signed up for school, Coachville. I did a year's worth of training to figure out, okay, what is this all about? Am I really going to like this? And then I came out and I said, all right, there's a bunch of stuff I could cherry pick out of this that I really like. And there's a bunch of other stuff I can throw away and I can add in my own stuff. And I just kind of rolled my own, created my own brand. So. Excellent. And so, um, you now, what would you say is the, the place that you've landed and the kinds of clients that you like to work with? I happen to have worked a lot with younger entrepreneurs, digital nomads, location independent businesses. So I've coached people. I like to say I've coached people on every continent except Antarctica. Apparently, there's not a lot of entrepreneurs. Not, in not a lot of coaching, coaching opportunities there, huh? Not a lot of, yeah, it's kind of devoid of it. But other than that, the rest of the planet is fair game. Because that's really what has really evolved. When I started my first business, I didn't have an internet connection right? Didn't, didn't really exist. Early 90s, late 80s, early 90s, I was very, very nascent. It was still dial up. Yep. I remember our very first ISDN line. Woo, whoopee, we died and went to heaven. Today, it would be, you couldn't even run anything on it. I mean, it just right. simply didn't have right. the bandwidth. Um, I pinpoint 2010 as being the year where uh, things pivoted, where connectivity, um, broadband achieved critical mass. And got to the point where anybody could set up a business on the internet with very little money, very little barriers to entry and have at it. And you could decide what it is that you wanted to do. So I've had, I found that to be a rather, you know, fertile area. And I think that's really the future, but I've also coached people in, in old fashioned brick and mortar companies. Mm -hmm. um, look, 90% of business. And again, this is just one of my zillions of homespun theories, but um, I'll submit that 90% of business is pretty much the same, right? HR, accounts receivable, legal, you name it. All those pots are pretty much the same. Uh, whether you're selling 747 to paperclips or SaaS products, or you're an FBA or whatever it might be, it's mostly the same. Entrepreneurs are different, right. <laughs> certainly. Right. And the nuts and bolts of a lot of businesses are different. But business philosophy and business tenants and the things that you need to know, a lot of it are fairly universal. Uh, so one of the things I just learned as, as we talked is that we've been in, in our own business for about the same amount of time. So I mm -hmm. became a business owner in 1990. And I think about like, to your point, there was no, you wouldn't capture people's emails then you wouldn't, it, it just was all, it was all sort of paper and, and, 
and it was a telephone. Files and, yeah, right, the there telephone. Were, there and, were faxes. Um, there were faxes. Absolutely. I had to fax something recently, and uh, I said, "Real." I said to the woman, "It had to do with, um, you know, DMV and you know that mm-hmm. kind of nightmare." I said, "You know, check your watch. The count. It's 2021." <laughs> I you said, sure I need to fax faxes. You sure I need to fax? Well, that's the only way. You don't have email, or can I send a carrier pigeon? I mean, it was a joke. <laughs> yeah, I had to sign up for like a free fax thingy for the, for a day so that I could fax something, and it, then I canceled it. I felt bad about it, but it's like, how else am I supposed to fax something? Yeah, uh, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's like why don't I send a telex? I mean, or, or Western Union. I mean, technologies yeah. evolved. They evolve and they and old technologies die. But businesses, companies need to evolve with it or you're going to get left behind. What is it when we think about evolving and, and when you partner with entrepreneurs to build their businesses, what are some of the things that that are that make working with entrepreneurs something that attracts you? There are all sorts of aspects. There's a problem-solving aspect to it. Okay, we, we, we have a challenge here. We have a problem. Let's brainstorm and figure out how we're going to deal with that. But that's only a part of it because there's a lot of what business is not really a problem. It's trying to gain some sort of efficiencies, right? Um, it's trying to figure out how are we going to scale up? So we have a wonderful little thing and we have a nice little marketplace and a nice niche you know, we might be in a sliver between a whole bunch of big boys on top of us and then a whole bunch of, of little, you know, ankle biters nipping at our heels. But everything now is Goldilocks. It's great. And it's like, well, enjoy that for the next five minutes because that's going to change. Right. So how do we anticipate where that's going to go? Right. If you were in the fax business and I had a friend many years ago who was in the faxing business. Mm-hmm. And he had a nice little franchise going there, but he he failed to anticipate how the internet was going to change his business. And it happened very swiftly, really in a bl- blink of a cosmic eye, that changed. Because mm-hmm. sometimes all it takes is for one big player to say, we're not supporting that anymore, right? Uh, I remember years ago when uh, Walmart, I had a, a client and did a lot of business with Walmart. And Walmart said, um, we are now going to require everything you ship to us to have RFID so we can track anything and everything. Oh, my God, what are we going to do? I said, well, we're going to put RFID. Mm-hmm. Well, that's going to cost us a fortune. I said, yeah, well, so is losing Walmart as a client. They're an 800-pound gorilla if there ever was one. Right. right? So you got to decide. Well, to we think- somewhere we- else? I don't know. We think about even the way that the pandemic had came in overnight. I mean, really things were shut down within, you know, a week or overnight for some people. And how are we going to pivot and, and keep our business viable when, you know, so many uh, of my clients worked in, well, they, they did events, they did events that were all canceled or they, they're, in the clients that I have in the oil and gas industry, things were impacted. Hospitality business. I mean, yeah, everything was impacted. So when you think about being a coach and helping with that transformation and a transition that needs to happen when, when something like that happens, how did you show up with your clients through that? 
Well, one of the, actually, one of the things that I did was last year for April, May and June, I opened my practice up for free to anybody who wanted to. That's awesome. And I put it on my website and I put it out on a couple networks and I thought, oh yeah, maybe, maybe a couple of people. I was inundated. <laughs> it was I like, oh my God. Inundated. So I had over a hundred phone calls with people. Good for you. But I had to shift my, my focus. I really did. I had to really shift more into a kind of a entrepreneurial triage mode, but it was even beyond that. It was more of a personal thing. The, the first thing that I asked almost everybody was if this thing lasts till the end of next year, the end of 2021, how are you going to be you and your family, right? How are you going to be impacted? Can you make it right? Mm-hmm. Some people are like, yeah, if I live like Gandhi, I can make it. Or, you know, yeah, it's going to be really tough. So that was number one, mm-hmm. was making sure, because you can't make any kind of clear-headed decisions, in my opinion, if you're worried about where your next meal is coming from. Absolutely. Right? It goes back to, to Maslow's hierarchy. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Right. You're down at mm-hmm. the bottom of that pyramid. Right. Most basic stuff, food, water, shelter. Almost everybody said, at least theoretically, yeah, you know, I, I'll have access. It, it'll be tough. It won't be fun. And mm-hmm. it'll take me a while to dig out of it. So that was number one, because we can't operate in a, in a mode where we're just in complete panic. So you just went to the basics. Is this went even- all the way, like yeah. you said, to the bottom of the of Maslow's pyramid and started with the food, shelter, clothing, most basic stuff. And then we'll work our way up. In fact, I had multiple calls with a few people. We didn't even really talk about the business per se. Mm-hmm. Very first call I did with someone who was in the travel travel business. Mm. Their business went from 15K MRR to zero overnight. I mean, literally overnight. One day mm-hmm. they were in business. Next day, everything was gone. Right. I mean, that is, you're, you're now in shock. So trying to coach somebody up when they're in shock. Well, that's the other thing. Really kind of trying to coach somebody when they are just in they're spinning they're absolutely spinning spinning. you have to just listen you give them a a platform to just talk get it off their chest talk talk multiple times if you have to and just let them talk i mean that's one of the things i learned in my coach training sometimes it's just just knowing that there's somebody on the other end who's thoughtfully actively listening Mm -hmm. and not thinking about what they're going to say but just listening right it's it's therapeutic it's amazing. So little stuff. So you you triage. What else came up for you in this awesome offer you made in these hundred calls that you did as you were trying to help entrepreneurs think about how they were going to make it through this incredibly challenging time? One of the big takeaways, it was kind of generational, you know, because I'm 61 years old. And I remember talking to somebody and say, look, this is probably my fourth real black swan event in my adult life. If you consider the crash of 87, right. Mm -hmm. And the dot Mm -hmm. bomb Mm -hmm. and then the great recession. Mm -hmm. And now this, and basically they're on a pretty much a 10 year cycle, you know, give or take, but essentially Mm -hmm. every 10 years for my adult life being born in 1959, there has been a black swan event. Mm -hmm. The difference in this one was the other ones, there were structural problems with the financial world at the time. Mm-hmm. You know, Evan was was overbought. 
the dot bomb was just printing money and VCs just, you know, loading it in the, in the front door right, and then it was right. just getting burned. And then the Great Recession was, you know, Glass-Steagall being repealed and a whole bunch of stuff. I don't want to go right, down that right, rabbit right, hole. Right, right, But there were, they, there they were, were things, they yeah. They were really man-made events and they were predictable events and they were events that if you were smart, and I know people who were smart and got out, who saw the handwriting, anybody who read the big short, right. wrote, there were people out there who made tons and tons of money. This was different. You know, this was mother nature right. intervening in a, in, a, in a vicious way that no one could really anticipate. But as Warren Buffett said uh, very eloquently, he was talking about the stock market when he said, uh, only when the tide goes out, do you get to see who's swimming naked? So it was a wake up call for a lot of people that you were swimming naked, that you were your the way you had structured your entrepreneurial life and your personal life was much riskier than you had ever given it credit I even shared with people after the fact, I said, you know what, uh, on the whole, and this is a terrible thing to say, and I probably get struck down for saying it, but financially, the pandemic was a positive event for us, right? Our expenses plummeted, right? I got to see, oh my God, we spend so much money on food eating out. It's almost right. obscene, right? All that disappeared. All of our expenses evaporated, Um it was crazy. And it's a horrible thing to say because people were suffering. So when right. we did start going, uh, going out to eat again, uh, I said, I said to my wife, I said, we're going to overorder and we're going to overtip. Right. right. We got to right. make up for, for this. And it sounds very trite and, and, and very glib to say, you know, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not changing the world by but extra $10 on the tip. But it, it makes it from somebody who made it through high school and undergraduate and graduate as a, as a waitress, I got to tell yeah. you, it, it makes, it makes a difference. And for those people it who does are trying make to put difference. food on the table, it makes the difference. It really does. So um, those are some things that you thought about and helped with those entrepreneurs when you made your generous offer, just in general, if we, if we were to shift perspective and say, okay, audience, if, if working with entrepreneurs is something that interests you, Henry, what are some of the things that you would like people to know that they might want to think about or explore if they're thinking that working with entrepreneurs is something that really interests them. But but here's the thing. I've met many an entrepreneurial coach and many of them have never run a business other than their entrepreneurial coaching business. So you really have to ask yourself, do I have the, do I have the chops? Do I have the broad base of knowledge that's required? Um, to coach entrepreneurs, because there's a lot you got to know, right? There's a lot of, you know, I just, I'm writing a book now with the unlikely title of Codfish. And basically it's what I call the, the seven silos of business. Codfish stands for customer support, operations, development, finance, infrastructure, sales and marketing, human resources. So it is Am not I, a restaurant it, book. It is not, a, it is not about food. Okay. It is not about food. <laughs> it happens to be the only, I did use the Scrabble thing. It happens to be the only seven letter word that you can create out of those first letters for those. And that actually came out accidentally a number of years ago in a coaching call. You need to be conversant. I'm not saying you need to be an expert in any one of those things, mm -hmm. but it certainly pays to be conversant, especially financial related stuff and sales and marketing related stuff. And there's a ton of stuff to learn. The best place to learn all that stuff is to run a business, right? So you <laughs> took your serial entrepreneurship yourself into how 
that was influential in how you picked who you work with, which is not unusual. Many times we, we, we are our own ideal client. Do what you know, teach what you know. Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, I also do, you know, financial coaching, but I wrote a 432 page book about finance, about personal finance. So I can coach in both of those disciplines. One is specifically for entrepreneurs and one is really for anybody who wants to level up their financial game. But the coaching component of it is the same. What I discovered when I was going through the, 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 the coaching with Coachville, going through all the various courses there, and I was like a deer in the headlights because this, this is all brandy new to me. Right. But what I learned when it was all said and done a year later and probably like, you know, 10 grand, which was money well spent, was there's only a portion of this that I really, that really speaks to me that I really want to apply. Because if I really follow the letter of coaching, there's a lot of stuff I can't do from my entrepreneurial experience because it kind of runs counter to the, to their, their philosophy, to the ICF philosophy. Um, I was going to ask you that. Do you find that you're sort of a coach sultant? Like a well, I call myself a coach approach strategic advisor, CASA. That okay. was how I branded myself. So there's a the coach word is in there, but I'm, I, I like to think of myself as a strategic advisor. Um, I work mostly for the, the high level stuff. I'm less concerned about tactics, right? I don't care if you want to use, you know, Google AdWords or, you know, Amazon or Facebook or whatever, the mechanics of that for, for marketing your product is less, is less of a concern as it is to how does that fit into the overall sales and marketing silo, right? So I hear that question a lot, like, okay, so I'm a, I want to coach, I want to build that in yet. I've got some expertise I want to share. I see some of the value of the things that I've learned in coaching school. And at the same time, I see myself doing a hybrid. So I love your, your hybrid is coach approach strategic advisor. That's Correct. pretty cool. That's, that's a, that's a nice little, um, yeah, Casa, come, come to my house. If I know the answer, I'm not going to put you through silly, torturous games to try to find it in order to turn myself into a, a pretzel. So I could maintain the rules of coachdom. I'm going to give you the answer. Now right? I'll understand <laughs> playing devil's advocate to that. That's the, the answer that, that, you know, has worked in the past and undoubtedly you have great experience coming forward. And I'm willing to bet that you do ask questions and explore what might be right for that person as well. Well, that's, you know, saying I'm giving you the answer. That's a, um, I'm being, I am, I'm being a little disingenuous there. I share my experience, so I don't give advice. I learned that mm-hmm. gestalt for all the years that I was in entrepreneurs organization. So by giving them the answer, I'm sharing my experience with them when I had to tackle such and such a problem. And then I'm explaining what it is that I did. Mm-hmm. As you've built your business over the years, you've found a hybrid that works for you, works for your clients. What kinds of things do clients hire you for? It's the same reason that people go to a doctor, right? It's the rare cat who goes to a doctor when everything's fine. Most people are coming because there is a problem that they're trying to solve and they've come to the scarlet realization that they can't solve it themselves. Who knows how long it took for them to get to that point. <laughs> Who knows how much Sturm and Drang they went through trying to figure out how to do stuff themselves before they said, hey, you know what? Maybe a coach will help me figure this out. That usually is the driver. I just had a strategy session the other day with someone and it was exactly that. 
right? I don't know what to do. I don't know how to level up. I don't know how to scale up. My business is, you know, it's okay, but I'm worried about this, that, and the other thing. That's what it is. Nobody comes to me and says, hey, everything's fantastic. It's kumbaya. I just want to hire you so I can talk to you for an hour a week or whatever. Right, right. I mean, that's, that is pretty rare. We're driven by, by trying to alleviate pain. We're suffering some kind of entrepreneurial psychic pain. And I need a doctor to help me out. It's really no, no more uh, complicated than that. Okay. So as we begin to, to get close to the end of our time together today, we've, we've been talking about being an entrepreneurial coach. And once again, I just want to say good on you for opening up your practice and, and offering help to entrepreneurs as the crisis was at its beginning points and, and mm-hmm. there was crisis everywhere. Um, and good on you for being able to do that and support your family during that. So I'm just sure. wondering if there is anything else when somebody's thinking about you know, getting clarity about who they're going to work with, or maybe getting clarity about the way they want to work with people um, that you have any wisdom or insight that you want to add as, as we get close to the end of our time? Well, one of the things that I've noticed both with entrepreneurs, but also with some of the coaches who were, when I was doing the the training is we're kind of all over the place, right? Couldn't really, well, I'd like to do this or I'd like to do that. Kind of, kind of dabbling a little bit. That's okay up to a point, right? It's okay to to dabble. I had to do, I had to go out and recruit like 10 people to do free training with um, when I started. It was part of the, you know, the Coachville thing. So I did a lot of that, uh, a lot of that stuff, which helped me to 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 really clarify who do I want to work with. So I work with, I like to work with ideally a couple year old business, a million dollar um, top line until you realize that of the 30 million companies um, in the US, only about 4% will ever do more than a million dollars in a year. So you have to be careful. You know, there's riches in niches, but there's also sometimes if a niche is too small, there's nothing there. There's no way to make a business. Mm-hmm. So that's important to, to um, kind of focus in on which of these clients are, are, are giving you juice, right? So most of my clients are maybe, you know, 28 to 45. They, I've walked in their shoes before. Mm-hmm. Now, what's interesting is <clears throat> I'm considering doing a little mini pivot, um, maybe starting this summer and marketing to retirepreneurs. Oh, interesting. Right. Which happens to be the, the um, fastest growing segment of entrepreneurship. And I discovered that when I was writing my, my book, uh, FQ. Mm-hmm. These are people who retired, maybe have a pension, maybe have a nice 401k and have determined that it's not all it's cracked up to be. And Retirement's not vacuum. all it's cracked up to be. Yeah. yeah. They're tripping over the vacuum cleaner. They've lost purpose, right? And I just read an article recently that a friend of mine sent me that said, that's the number one common thing that successful attribute that successful entrepreneurs will share. So you have to have a purpose and the purpose mm-hmm. can't just be making money. I mean, for some people, maybe it is. It really, there really needs to be more than that. But anyway, circling back to your point, dabble for a little while. Mm-hmm. Coach a bunch of different types of people out there. Maybe mm-hmm. you even want to coach them in different disciplines, life coach or 
what a Pinterest coaster. I met somebody who was a Pinterest coaster. Is that really? Really? That's interesting. I had no idea that was such a thing. Um, It's that's okay. But at a certain point, you're going to have to commit to, I'll use the vernacular of the millennials. You're going to have to pick a lane, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You will. I want to stay focused on entrepreneurship and finance, right? That's enough Mm -hmm. to keep me busy. If people want to be in touch with you, what's the best way for them to uh, learn more about you? Well, they can go on my website. <clears throat> I have two websites. I have a vanity site that's just henrydoss.com. You know, it has I write screenplays. I've written 11 screenplays. I collect baseball cards, um, pictures of my golf trips to St. Andrews, you know, s- silly stuff. But my business, you know, my more sober business site is Das Knowledge, D-A-A-S Knowledge. Com. It's very wordy. I'm going to tell you, just like my 432 page book, it's very wordy, but I've got some freebie giveaways. One that might be interesting for coaches who are just coming up. I have a little PDF on there that, that I created called 10 things to ask when hiring a coach. And I think there may be some things in there because these are questions that people are going to ask you when you start your coaching practice. Right. Right. Right before you schedule a strategy session, which is what I tell people, so that you'll know what to ask me. Good. Well, on the I'm other side, coaching, of it the, is for- coaching the potential coaching clients right. before the coaching clients. Right. Well, and for those of you who are coaches, that might be helpful information for you to be thinking. Absolutely. Because these possible- are the questions we're going to ask you. Maybe they've downloaded it from Henry's site and they'll be asking you those questions. It's a freebie. Henry, Take- thanks so much for your time. Thank you so much, Meg. It was a pleasure. So one thing I know for certain, after all these years working with other people and the years that I've been honored to bring this show to you, is that there are so many different perspectives and so many different approaches. And I am grateful to Henry Doss for bringing his perspective to the show today. If you'd like to know more about Henry, go to starcoachshow.com slash 239 In the show notes, there will be ways to connect and find some of the resources he was talking about. Next week, I invite you back as I am delighted to introduce you to Kristen Kaufman. She is an author of a series of books by the title of Is This Seat Taken? She's going to share the concept of what she's learned through the encounters she's had in her life. And we're going to revisit that concept of alignment. Now, last week, we had transformational coach Sarah Luce talk to us about soul alignment. Next week with Kristen, we're visiting the concept of alignment again, alignment in the importance of listening to the messages that are brought to us in life and making determinations about the best path forward for ourselves. She's going to bring all of her experience in exploring the connections she's had in her life and and the messages that they brought forward. I just loved our interview. I'm excited to share that with you next week and want to invite you to share the show. If you're enjoying it, let people know about the show. Think about leaving a rate and review wherever it is that you listen. 
And thank you. Thank you for being a Star Coach listener. Until next week, this is Meg Rentschler wishing you the very best for your coaching success. Take care.